Welcome everyone, glad you're here. Otherwise I'd be here by myself. <laughs> but that's okay, I'm glad you're here. Let's open up our Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. As if you've been following along, we know you know that we've gotten to this point in Scripture and it seems to fall right in line with current events as well. I always thank God for His timing. His timing is always perfect. Amen. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm going to read our verse. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. I know we have 1 through 5 in here, but I don't know if we're going to be able to get through all that this morning. Uh, there's so much information that I want to give to you. A lot of it is Bible. I'd like for you to be ready to open up your Bibles. We're going to be going through the Old Testament this morning. We're going to be going through um, a lot of Scripture and, um, and see what God has already showed us and what He's already done and also what He is going to do. Now, Paul starts off this portion of Scripture, and, and it seems to be a very big break from chapter 1 to chapter 2. If you remember, Paul was talking to the people in Thessalonica about their persecution, their trials and their troubles that they were going through as they were struggling through life. And uh, Paul says that, uh, you know, that there's a lot of things that are happening and, and you just need to know that those that are afflicting you will be afflicted, that God's vengeance is his and is, it's on his timing. And we are to wait and, and, uh, and approach God in such a manner that he's going to take care of those things that we want to take care of ourselves. A lot of times we want to handle that business ourselves. But Paul is telling him, says, you know, God said a long time ago, vengeance is mine. So I just want to give you that promise that he will be there. And all the things that you're going through as a young church, as a very, as a very uh, commendable church, that, uh, that I, I just want you to know that as you go through these things, understand that God is going to glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ through it all. So in spite of what you're going through, in spite of what this world seems to be going through, in spite of what our nation seems to be going through, in spite of what our state, our cities, even in our homes, God is going to glorify the name of Jesus Christ. And that's what he says in verse 11 and 12. To this end, as he said, as we said last week, in other words, because of all that you're going through, because of all the struggles that you've gone through, he says, uh, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. So all this stuff, all that, all that Paul just mentioned. So, and this is what he, he desires that happens within the life of every believer. So that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him. The purpose of all life. The one thing that is, uh, is our goal in life, if anybody asks you, what is the purpose of life? What is the goal of life? What are you to be doing? Well, the goal of life is not to make more money. The goal of life is not to make you more popular. The goal of life is not to gain more power. The goal of life is not to get more property. The goal of life is to glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and enjoy Him forever. The chief end of man is what the Westminster Catechism says. The chief, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That is your goal, your purpose in life. You want to ask, what's my goal in marriage? What's my purpose in marriage? Well, your marriage ought to glorify God and enjoy Him for, forever. Glorify God in all things. What about my job? What's well, to glorify God? 
Everything that you do is to glorify God. And Paul ends this portion of their affliction, their troubles, their struggles that they're going through. He says, I want you to glorify God in your life. Glorify Jesus Christ in your life. Those are the end results of everything that we do. When you get to that age where you're looking back in life, you want to recount and see, did my life glorify God? And if you're honest with yourself, you're going to say, Lord, I failed you in many ways. I failed you in in certain ways, but is my life glorifying you now? What can I do to continue to glorify you? And what we need to do is, is stay connected and stay focused on who God is and what He's doing in our life and what He's doing in the world. Because in the world, if you look at the world, many people are living for the world and wanting the world and desiring the world and the things of the world. But this world is passing away. And so in, in this whole sense, Paul is saying, look, I want you to understand that the struggles that you're going through does not mean that it's the end of life. You know, because Paul had gotten a report, something had happened in Thessalonica, and we'll cover that right now in just a bit, that gave these people in Thessalonica this fear in their heart. They, they thought, wow, you know, we missed it. We missed the rapture. We missed the coming of the Lord. We, you know, why are we going through all these things? And this is why he, he says in verse 1 of chapter 2, Now, <clears throat> concerning the coming, coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way. As we went through last week, Matthew chapter 24, Jesus Christ is talking about the end times. The disciples asked Jesus, tell us what are going to be the signs to your second coming? What What is the sign? What are the signs? And, and I, I, I constantly get asked the questions, especially during COVID, you know, these, this pestilence, the plagues and, and all those things at the end. Is, is it now the time when, when earthquakes hit? You know, earthquakes hit, you know, the Bible says that you will hear of earthquakes and you'll experience earthquakes in diverse places. Is it now the time? Uh, when they hear the wars and rumors of wars, is it now the time? And so many people go to those specific prophecies or those specific signs to wonder and see if it is now the time. And and it's interesting because the very first thing Jesus says from the very beginning, do not be easily deceived. Don't, Don't be led astray. He says it three times in chapter 24. Paul says this even here. And when he talks to Timothy, when we go through Timothy, we're going to see that Timothy is constantly being told, do not be deceived. Don't let anybody come out and start deceiving you. Timothy was a very young pastor in Ephesus. Timothy was left there by Paul to minister to the people. He says, don't let anybody look down on your age. You know, I I want you to stand firm on the things that I have taught you and to understand that that's what you need to continue to teach. Don't get led astray by strange doctrines. Doctrines of demons is what he called it. And and all these doctrines of demons and all these leading astray and everything else is happening within the church. Jesus is telling his disciples that this deception is going to come from prophets or supposed prophets or Christs or antichrists or apostles, false apostles. And these apostles and prophets and antichrists, they're within the church. And the warning, the very first sign, the very first warning is that you need to be 
careful. We'll talk about the apostasy or the rebellion as we move a little further into chapter 2. Because Paul is going to show us the man of lawlessness, who the man of lawlessness is, the Antichrist. We're going to, we're going to discuss a little bit more about that, maybe, maybe not today, well not today for sure, but possibly next week. We're going to talk about the, the, what has to happen prior to the man of lawlessness or the, um, the Antichrist, the signs and the things that must take place before he even shows up. And so as Paul is talking to the people, he says, you know, I, I need you to understand that there is one coming and there, there is. I mean, for, for many years, we've been uh, we've been looking at various types of people. And, you know, I, I remember reading a book that uh, the 666, the Antichrist, if you take all the letters of the alphabet and you multiply them by by 24 and then divide by 12. And then if you get the letters of each individual person that you want to you can almost come up with Mickey Mouse as the Antichrist. I mean, if you do it, their formula. Uh, we've had people as Nero. We've had people as Reagan. We have people as uh, Saddam Hussein. We have people as Hitler. We have people as Obama. We, all these various types of people that are the Antichrist. They figured out the number, the formula. Beloved, you do not know who this Antichrist is. You will not know until, as Paul says, he that is holding him back is taken away. Again, getting ahead of myself. But there, there has been prophecy, there has been time of this one that is to come. They call in the Bible, especially in Ezekiel 38, he's called Gog of the land of Magog, or the prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal. Uh, in Daniel chapter 7, he's called the little horn. In Daniel chapter 9, he's called the prince who is to come. Uh, in Daniel 11, he's called the king who does as he pleases. In Zechariah 11, he's called the foolish, worthless shepherd. In Revelation 11, he's called the beast. And so these are the things that we have heard of him that is coming. And Paul, as we look at this a little bit later, I mean, let me go ahead and read this now. In, in verse 3 in chapter of chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians, it says, Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. Many of you have in that portion of scripture, the son of perdition. And this is what Paul calls him, the lawless one, the, law, the man of lawlessness, the destruction, the one without law, the one without any type of restraint. He just does whatever he wants. And we'll find out in verse 9 that the one who's coming in, in accord with the activity of Satan. And so he's the one that is being taken care of, and he's the one that is being uh, led by the enemy himself. Paul calls him, excuse me, John calls him Antichristos, or the Antichrist. Antichristos is John's term, in, as we see. And so the, the one thing that we need to understand is that this person is going to come. And there are a lot of things that the Bible has already prophesied that is going to take place. And those things are, are things that are coming in the future. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> with just a little bit of history, if you go back in Genesis chapter 6, this Antichrist or the spirit of Antichrist has been in the world from the very beginning. He started with Adam and Eve. He wanted to destroy the, the line of the one that is to bring the redemption, which was Christ. And so he figured, you know, if I can, can, if I can deceive the woman and have her take of the fruit, then this line will be forever abolished. And so then his seed will no longer be able to give, to be given as a perfect lamb of Christ or the perfect lamb of God to die for the sins of the world. But of course, God extended his grace covered their sin, and he even told the serpent, because you have done this. 
your seed. He will crush the head. Uh, you, you will bite his heel. Yes, you will afflict pain on him at the cross, but he will crush your head. In other words, he is going to be victorious in the things to come. You, you know, and, and there was a time when the, the, the ruler and the, 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 the one that was going to lead Israel out of captivity, Moses, had come and he was to, to lead his people out of Egypt. And, uh, and when Herod found out about this, of course, he was filled with the evilness, the system of Satan. And he had Pharaoh go out and try to kill all the babies that were five years and younger. And, and again, a slaughter that had taken place because of this antichrist system. Over and over again, we see that the Jewish people have been almost eliminated and eradicated from this whole history. Hamas is another uh, type of people right now. I'm sorry, did I say Hamas? <laughs> I meant, uh, well, you know, we'll get to them in just a little bit also. I meant Haman. Haman, <clears throat> uh, in, in the book of Esther, he had this hatred toward the Jews and he, he, he talked to the king about developing this law that everybody has to bow to the king and that whoever doesn't bow to the king will be killed. And so Haman, what he did is as he tried to incite this hatred of the people, of the Jewish people, and they were almost annihilated even then. And over and over again, when Jesus Christ was born, you remember that the wise men came from the east and they told Herod, we want to come and worship. And Herod was saying, who do you want to worship? Well, the new king. You know, these people from the east, they didn't know the hatred that Herod had and his jealousy and his rage. And, and he says, well, you know what? I'll tell you what. When you find him, Tell me where he's at, because I too want to worship him. Of course, you know the story. And uh, the wise men found him. They worshipped him. Gold, frankincense, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And now we're coming here pretty soon to celebrate the, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in that process, what he did is the, the, in the middle of the night, they got a dream that says, don't go back to Herod. You better go a different way because Herod wants to kill this child. And Herod was upset. And he sent out again like Pharaoh. And he had all the children killed. In a dream, Joseph got a, got a dream from God and says, take this child and go to Egypt and run away from here. And children were killed during that time just to try to get rid of this Christ. Over and over and over again, Satan has been trying to get rid of God's people. I mean, we can fast forward up to you know recent events back in the, in the 20th century when we had the war and the annihilation of the Jews. Six million Jews were killed. And so over and over again, it seems like everything is coming up against Israel, always trying to take care of Israel, trying to get rid of them in, in so many different ways. You know, but there is this, this covenant with God. And I want to go over that covenant with you. There is this covenant with God that he told Abraham from the very beginning. I picked you not because you were the biggest or the, the greatest or the smartest nation. As a matter of fact, Abraham, you're the only one. And as a matter of fact, his name was Abram. Abram, I pick you, Abram. Exalted father is what Abram means. But you know what? I'm going to change your name. And your name is going to be Abraham, which is father of many. Really? Can you imagine at 90 years old, God coming up to you and saying, changing your name? He says, I'm going to change your name and I'm going to call you father of many. And all the people that he came across, they asked him, so what's your name? Father of many. How many kids do you have? None. At 90 years old, you're a father of many. Well, God promised 
And he did. And so this covenant that God had with Abraham, he says, you know, you're going to be a nation of nations. Kings are going to come from you. And you, 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 you won't be able, you won't be alive when you see all this happening. But I'm telling you, this is what's going to take place. The people that bless you, I'm going to bless. The people that curse you, I'm going to curse. And so since the beginning of time, since the beginning from the, what God was already instituted, what he already put into place, the Jewish nation was to be a blessing to the world, to the world. And so, but because of who Satan is, of course he wants to get rid of them. Of course he wants to get rid of all the people that are around through the Nazis, through the just the various types of things that have happened in history. And I did say Hamas, and Hamas, I don't know if you know, anything about them, but they are a terrorist group. They're not a, a nation. They're not a, a people. This is just a group of people that the acronym uh, stands for terror against Israel. Uh, I really don't know what the, what the acronym actually stands for, but it is a movement. It's an extreme fundamentalist Islamic organization, and it's operating in terrorist countries uh, that are under control, uh, under Israeli control. They operate underneath everything that's going on. And so they, they have put together this coalition, this hatred, this of all these other nations, other nations that, that also don't like them, of course, like Iran. And, and so all these nations that are starting to come up against Israel, it, it started off with Hamas. And, and, and it's not necessarily that it started with them, but this has been going on from since the beginning of time. A little bit about Hamas, they have this goal. If you look at their, 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 their constitution, their, their goal uh, is on the destruction of Israel. And they're in their constitution, their preamble says, Israel will exist and will continue to exist until Islam will obliter obliterate it, just as it obliterated others before it. And uh, there is a call in Article 15 of their, of their uh, preamble of their constitution, says, the day of the enemies usurp part of Muslim land, jihad, becomes the individual duty of every Muslim in the face of the Jews' usurpation, uh, it is compulsory that the banner of jihad be raised. And so they have, if you don't know what jihad is, it's this holy war that they got against various people, but it's totally focused on eradicating, destroying, getting rid of Israel. And so many of the people that are starting to follow and fall behind this banner, people like uh, Egypt and Canada and Iran and Turkey and Sudan, they all express their support to Palestine and Gaza. Now, you have probably heard, I, I pray, that Palestine really isn't a nation, never has been. They've never been a place that occupied Israel, though they claim to have. Uh, back in 70 AD, when uh, Titus, try to get rid of the Jews. He named, he renamed Canaan or Israel. He renamed it to um, Philistia, Palestine, and Philistia, Palestine turned into Palestine. He named it that to try to get rid of the Israelite people. And so from that point forward, a lot of the Muslims have taken that name and they call themselves Palestinians because, well, that's, that's all they can call themselves. But Israel has always belonged to God and to his people. This is why Paul says, do not be quickly shaken. Do not be quickly shaken. He says, now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed. And when our minds are shaken, 
when our thought process is not thinking right, then yeah, it, it can cause a lot of fear. When we have this understanding and, and just listening to what the news says and listening to what we hear other people say, and, and, and you know, there's a lot of voices out there right now. As a matter of fact, I got this email just recently. You want to know what's going on in Israel according to God's word? Buy my book. <laughs> Buy my book and I'll tell you. You know, uh, and, and, you know, take, listen to these sermons and I'll let you know, you know, for $25 a month, uh, you can hone it to time in and listen to all the things I have to say. Beloved, all you have to do is read your Bible. That's all you have to do. You want to, you want to know what the word of God says? You don't follow the people that are trying to sell or peddle and try to make uh, a profit out of all this mess that's going on. You just listen to God's word. So number one in your outlines, do not be quickly shaking. I need to know God's word. I need to know God's word. I need to know what God's word says. Because in God's word, it'll tell you uh, what it says and what he's done. And, and so, like I said a little while ago, I want to take you through the book of Genesis, through the book of Deuteronomy, through the book of Ezekiel. I want to take you through some, some passages, and I, and I want to show you what God has already said and what he has already done. So that you can see for yourself that all you need is God's word. Now, if you read his word on a regular basis, eventually you'll come to some of these passages. And, and it takes a little bit of time to be able to read God's word. And this is a practice that you must do on a regular basis. Read God's word. Read God's word. And you read it and you read it. And as you read it, you'll start to see these patterns come up. And as these patterns start to come up, you start to realize, oh, okay, yes, God spoke that, he said that, and it happened. God spoke that, he said that, and that hasn't happened yet, so I'm still waiting for that. And so what we're looking at today are the things that he told Abraham and what the nation of Israel is going to be. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 26. In Genesis chapter 26, verses 3 and 4, what, what, uh, what God says, he developed this everlasting covenant with Abraham. In 26, chapters 3 and 4, he says this, Sojourn in this land. In other words, travel through this land. And I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring, I will give all these lands. And I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my, my charge, my commandments, my statutes and my laws. This was God's promise that he gave uh, to Isaac because of what Abraham had done. And if you go to uh, Genesis 35, this is the promise that he made to Jacob. In Exodus 35, verses 11, and I'm sorry, Genesis 35. Genesis 35, <clears throat> 11 and 12. And he said this, And God said to him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Abraham was only the only person, the only man, and he became the Jewish nation. Out of him came Isaac, out of Isaac came Jacob and Esau, and out of Jacob and Esau, Jacob became the, the father of the 12 nations or the 12 tribes. God changed his name from Jacob to Isaac, uh, excuse me, to Israel. 
And Israel became the 12 nations. And, and out of those 12 became the nation of Israel. And they multiplied. And, uh, and what the Bible says, uh, that, that what he did, and this is exactly what he did. He made a great nation that came from Abraham. If you know anything about the Jewish religion, I mean, it's, they're all over. It's, it's, in, it's in the world out of one man. Abraham's name shall be blessed. Abraham's name is blessed and continues to be blessed. As a matter of fact, he is, he is credited with the founding of the three major religions in the world. Jewish, uh, the Jewish religion, Islamic religion, and of course Christianity. Everybody goes back, all those three go back to Abraham. And also those who bless Abraham's descendants will be blessed, and those who uh, curse Abraham's descendants will be cursed. His descendants, through uh, his son Isaac, will inherit a land with specific boundaries. This promised land will be theirs forever. Their descendants will be countless. Among their descendants will be kings. And we know that King Solomon came from, uh, well, all the kings came from the line of Abraham. And of course, we know that Jesus Christ came from them as well. In Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is the fifth book in the Old Testament. If you go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, I want to show you um, Another, another promise in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 and 2. And it says this, And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all His commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So, and all, these, and all these blessings shall come upon you. And everything that you receive, everything that I give you, I will bless you beyond measure. All you have to do is obey. How difficult is that? Well, we have come to find out that it is very difficult sometimes because who gets in the way? I do. I do. And look at verses, uh, verse 15. Deuteronomy 28, 15. And it says, But... If you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. These are the things that have taken place in, in past history because of their disobedience, because of the disobedience. And, and it's not that God is cruel. He gave them a chance over and over and over again. Go to verse 64 and you'll see the same thing happen. And the Lord will scatter you among all peoples from one end of the earth to the other. And there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone, which neither you nor your fathers have known. And so the prophecy, the, the promises and the covenant that God made with Abraham, the Jewish people, he says, look, you don't, you don't follow what I'm telling you, then, you know, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to scatter you. I'm going to take you out of your land, the land that I gave you, and it's yours, and it'll continually be yours, but I'm going to take you out of it, and I'm going to scatter you throughout the whole world. Well, that happened twice in history. It happened during the, the 700 B.C., when Babylonia came in and captured all the people and took them out, and some of them came back, but a bunch of them never came back, and they're still, they still were scattered throughout the world. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 30. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 1 through 3. And he says this, And when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you, and return to the Lord your God, you and your children, 
and obey his voice in all that I command you today with all your heart and with all your soul. Then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have mercy on you. And he will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. From all the nations, from all the places, from everywhere that he's gone, these scattered people. He says, if you would remain faithful to the Lord, he will bless you and give you victory over all your enemies. And every time they, they sinned, uh, God would send in a nation to, to scatter them. Somebody asked me the other day, he says, you know, do I still continue following this wicked king that we have? You know, and so, I mean, that's just a perception of some people in this nation about our president and the leaders that we have because of the wickedness that's going on in this world. Do we still continue to follow them? They are still the leaders in Romans 13. It tells us that we ought to obey the leaders of the land. But once they start telling us you cannot worship anymore, then I, you know, you don't have to obey anymore. But up to the point of, the, of them telling you to leave your religion, leave your God, you continue to, to live under this land and under this law because they are overseeing a lot of this. Well, some people can say they are overseeing a lot of this chaos and trying to keep it under control. But some people say that they are overseeing a lot of this chaos and causing it to happen. The point is, is that God always sends a wicked king to deal with the nation that has gone astray. And that's exactly what he did to Israel. He did that and then he would raise a judge and they would be, they would all call upon the name of the Lord. They will be saved. And then the Bible says continuously, and they sinned again more so than they did the last time before. And God sent in another nation and they you know, just started to persecute them. They raised up their voices to God. God save us, deliver us. He sends in another judge and another judge and another judge. And every single time the Bible says that they did more than before. So you can imagine in just the graciousness of God, the mercy of God, the faithfulness of God. He says, look, I'm trying to teach you a lesson. But it got to the point where God says, you guys just aren't learning. And that's when Babylonia came in and they, they, they took all these people and they, they put them aside. The fulfillments of the promises. Abraham had, has had many descendants. His name has been blessed. As I mentioned, three major religions have come out of there. Abraham has been a blessing to all nations. And, and if you look at the book of the genealogies of Jesus, uh, the son of David, the son of Abraham, in, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And from the very beginning, Abraham became the Jewish nation. And that's where Jesus Christ came from, from that line, from, from the line of David, which was also from the line of Abraham. And in Galatians 3.16, it says, Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say to his offsprings, but it says to his offspring. One person, one offspring, one generation, one nation, not a bunch of nations, referring to many, but referring to one, not, re, not referring to many, but to one and to your offspring, who is who? Christ. And those who have blessed Abraham's people have been blessed. America has been blessed because of the way they have treated uh, Israel. The nations that have had a really good rapport with Israel have been blessed because God's promised that you, you bless my people, you take care of them, I will bless you as well. Much of the, much of the things, many of the things that we have in the United States is because of the blessings of God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. God has taken care of us because of who He is, not because of who I am or we are. And Abraham's descendants, they have brought in all, 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 all this, this blessing to the world. However, 
those that have gone up against Israel have been annihilated. Let me take you to a few places. It talks about Moab, Ammon, Amalek, Adam, Philistia. Let me take you to a few of these uh, verses that uh, those enemies of Israel will be destroyed. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 3. Go back to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 3. I'm getting to the, I'm getting to the, the point of all of this here in just a bit. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 3, <clears throat> it says here, Now the Lord said to, and notice his name. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your nation great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And you and all your families of the earth shall be blessed. The Edomites. The Edomites were descendants of Esau, uh, the older brother of Jacob. Remember, I mentioned to you that Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob became Israel. Esau, uh, the Bible says, God hated. In other words, he preferred Jacob over Esau. Not that he hated him, but he preferred Jacob over Esau. Not, not the hate that we understand. You know, if there's a choice, I would rather take that one because I don't want that one. And that was the Jewish way of saying hate. That's the only word that we have. And uh, his last known descendant was Herod the Great. Herod the Great was the one that uh, destroyed the temple, and uh, yet he was never to be heard of again. In Ezekiel 35, I think we have this up here. In Ezekiel 35, just to make it a little easier for you, if you read this with me, it says uh, in Ezekiel 35, As you rejoiced over the inheritance of the house of Israel, because it was desolate, so I will deal with you. You shall be desolate, Mount Seir, and all Edom, all of it. Then they will know that I am the Lord. As, it, as the Edomites were going up against Israel, they hated Israel. They didn't want anything to do with Israel. God says, because you did that, I'm wiping you out. There are no Edomites in existence today. Ammon, the same thing in Ezekiel 25. In Ezekiel 25, verses 10, uh, they were descendants of Lot's daughter. I don't know if you know the story about Lot's daughter, but uh, Lot was the one that was living in Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham pleaded to God, God, would you please uh, save Sodom and Gomorrah? I mean, God says, no, I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to destroy them with fire and brimstone because they're, they're sinners. And if you know anything about Sodom and Gomorrah, that was filled with a lot of homosexuality, a lot of wickedness, a lot of sexual immorality. And Lot lived there. This is Abraham's nephew. Lot lived there. And Abraham says, please, God, I mean, if, you, if I can find 50 people, if you can find 50 people in these two cities, would you please not destroy it? And God says, okay, if I find 50 people there, I, I won't destroy it. And Abraham thought to himself, I don't think there's 50 people in there that are, that are really righteous. You know, God, what if I found 20 people? Okay, if you can find 20 people, I won't destroy it. Okay, you know what? I don't even think there's 20 people in it. What if I find 10? Look, if you can find 10, and he dropped all the way down to five, I believe. If you can just find that many, if you can find that many, and Abraham says, you know what? There really isn't, and there wasn't. And so the angels went into Sodom and Gomorrah, and they pulled out Lot. And the people that were in that town, they saw these angels, these messengers of God, and how beautiful they looked. And they wanted to have intercourse with these men. And, and Lot says, no, these are holy men. Don't. And, and so they, they got out of there. Abraham, his wife, and uh, his two daughters, and his wife turned around and looked back, and she's the one that turned into a pillar of salt 
because she looked back and she says, you know what? As the city was being destroyed, she looked back and she thought to herself, oh, my, all my friends. And Lot says, don't look back. And he took his two daughters. As they were living in a cave, and this is the thing about the Bible. The Bible will tell you all its stuff, you know, and, and, and sometimes you wonder, my God, you know, why, why would they do this? As they were living in this cave, both of Lot's daughters, they both believed that they were the only people alive on the planet because God had just destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And so wondering to themselves, how are we going to continue on in life? Well, we need, we need babies. And so what one daughter did is she got her father drunk and she had intercourse, incestuous intercourse with her, her father and she became pregnant. And the next night they did the same thing to her father with the other daughter and they both became pregnant. These women, these daughters, they had what we call the, uh, the Ammonites and also the Moabites. The Ammonites were descendants of Lot's daughter and their god was Molech. Now, this is, this is the ugly thing that happens. Because of this relationship that she had with her father, that Moab, she had a, a, that brought this, the, the Moabites out. The Moabites were people that worshipped Molech. Now, again, you got to read the, the, the Old Testament. And, and what Molech was, he was this fire god. They had this huge statue of Molech that had his hands poured out like, like this. And what they would do is they would bring their babies and sacrifice their babies to Molech over the fire, this bronze statue. They'd put them on top of the arms, light the fire, and you, they would scream and they would yell and hoop and holler to drown out the cries of the babies. And this is the god Molech that the, uh, the Ammonites were to be worshiping. And God said to them in Ezekiel 25, you know, I, I will give it along with Ammonite, the Ammonites, the people of the east, as a possession that the Ammonites may be remembered no more among the nations. I will execute judgment upon Moab. Then you will know that I am God. He did the same thing to Moab as he did to the Ammonites. Philistia in Ezekiel 25, 15 through 17. Thus says the Lord God, because the Philistines acted revengefully and took vengeance with malice of my soul, of soul to destroy in never-ending enmity before the before. Therefore, thus Says the Lord God, Behold, I will stretch out my hand against the Philistines, and I will cut off the uh, Serinthites uh, and, and destroy the rest of the, sea, of the sea coast. I will execute great vengeance on them with wrath, rebukes, with wrathful rebukes. Then they will know that I am the Lord when I lay down my vengeance. Every one of these peoples, every one of these, the Amalekites, the same thing. Every one of these people that went up against God's people, God says, you're going to be wiped out. There is no history of any of these that are left behind, that weren't left behind, I should say. If there was ever a nation that should have been wiped off the planet of the earth, it should have been the Jewish people. It should have been them. After all the things that they have gone through, everything else that they've gone through. And so when the Bible tells us, do not be afraid. When, when Paul says, I want you to know this, do not be quickly shaken in mind or alarm. You need to know God's word. Because if you know God's word, if you know that these are the things that he said to these nations and anybody else that comes up against Israel. Now at the end time, what's going to happen, all the nations are going to line up against Israel. Now these things that have happened to these people here, uh, the same thing is going to happen to the people in Gaza. 
Same thing's going to happen to the people in Iran. Same thing's going to happen to the people uh, in the north, in Russia, in Persia, which is Iran, in, in, the, in the east, which is all these other countries, the United States, if we come up against Israel. If you know your word, you know that God is faithful. Amen? Look at, look at the, your outlines, Psalms 18.30. This God, His way is perfect. The, world, the word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all who take refuge in Him. Look at Proverbs 30, verse 56. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Do not add to His words, lest He rebuke you and you be found a liar. Basically the same word that David said. Solomon says the same thing in Proverbs. In Ephesians 5, 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. There are a lot of empty words. There are a lot of people out there trying to get this, this sensationalism out. They're, they're trying to get this whole chart thing going and, and, you know, trying to figure out when Jesus Christ is going to come and, and trying to scare people into submission. Don't be, don't be easily shaken. Do not be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed. Do not listen to a lot of these voices. Just listen to the word of the Lord our God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Colossians 3.16 reminds us that we ought to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You start getting shaken, you start getting frazzled you start getting worried you start getting you know wondering what's going on you, well number one turn off the tv okay <laughs> turn it off you know stop listening to the news you know because they're going to give you their uh theories and their ideas they're going to bring all these experts in you know cnn fox news whatever it is that you're listening to listen to the word of god number one number two sing a song Sing a song. You're not just any song. I'm not telling you to listen to the radio and sing. Listen, sing a song. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, your hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Wow. I don't know about you, man, but that just gave me a peace that surpasses all understanding. You know, you'd be amazed. You'd be amazed if you had, you take your bulletin home. We got the words on there. And, you know, one song that might touch you. Lord, I come to your presence broken before. Whatever it is that, that just, you know, touch, take that verse with you and sing it. If you don't memorize anything else, memorize the songs and apply it to your life. Many of the songs that we pick, they're, not, they're just not haphazardly picked. We are actually looking at the verses, looking at the chapters, looking at what the message is going to be. How, the, how do these messages apply to the song and how do the song work together with the message? Great is your faithfulness, Lord, because we don't want our minds to be shaken. We don't want to be afraid. We don't want to be in any fear. If I can just remember your faithfulness, Lord, if I can remember that, if I can remember the fact that you are still in control. But you know what? Everything else around us is falling out of control. But God is faithful. Amen? Amen. 
So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdoms, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You know, Paul is even telling you, sing, beloved, sing. God loves a sing a, a, a singing church. He loves music. He loves music so much that he went out and got 150 songs and put them right smack dab in the middle of your Bible. Those are all songs. He says, these are all songs that people would sing. That saw the, the psalm that we sang, uh, excuse me, the psalm that we read just a little bit ago, Psalm 122. Uh, it's called a song of ascent. Open up your Bibles to Psalm 122. And all of these, starting with Psalm 121, uh, actually in Psalm 120, starting with Psalm 120, we're going to read 22 though, 122. If you look at the top of the title, it says, Deliver Me, O Lord. And right, ne- right below that, it says, A Song of Ascents. You got that? Do you see that? It says, A Song of in, in chapter 121, the title is, My Help Comes from the Lord. And then it says what? A Song of Ascents. And then in 122, let us go to the house of the Lord. And right, right below that, it says, A Song of Ascents of David. Now, what, what is a song of ascent? Every time they went up to Jerusalem, because Jerusalem was in a very high pinnacle place, every time they went up, they ascended up to Jerusalem, they would sing these songs. And they would sing them as a cadence, you know, uh, as, as a military would, and they would sing them in such a way. And, and, and this song that they sang, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. This was a song, not I was mad, not I was sad, not I was, oh my God, dreading it. (laughs) I was glad. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bond firmly together to which the tribes go up. You see that? And the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment were set the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. You know, just God loves a singing church. He loves the voice of the redeemed. Oh, he's got angels singing to him. He's got cherubim and seraphim. He's got, you know, myriads and myriads of angels singing glory to God in the highest. Glory, glory, holy, 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 these angels are singing. But you know what voice he hears and what he really loves most importantly and most of all is the song of the redeemed. You that have been saved, that recognize your sinfulness and the glory of God and his grace on your heart when he hears you sing. You know what? I don't care what you sound like. Sing. Let me rephrase that. God doesn't care what you sound like. Sing. Just let it out. Just let it out. Because God, what he hears is your heart. And, and, and just sing, especially when you're, it's dark. Especially when, you know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know why there's a shadow? Because there's light coming down upon you. It's not darkness, it's shadows. Because of the light that still shines upon you. Just sing. Beloved, if nothing else, uh, yes, memorize scripture. Yes, know your Bible. But you know, sometimes 
in the darkest of the dark, in the hardest part of life, in the times that you just cannot look anywhere else and you don't know what to do, sing. Sing a song that you know. Memorize a song. Sing it with all your heart as loud as you can and let God know that, that did you, you love him and that you, you, really, you really, really know that you're a sinner, but you're a sinner saved by grace and you just want to give your thanks to him. This is what Paul says. Do so. Let, let his word dwell in you. Number two, uh, you know, I need to know. Not only do I know, need to know God's word, I need to know God's work. I need to know God's work. God is working. Amen? Amen. We have to trust and we have to know that God is doing something in this world that we cannot see. We need to know that he is working. And he is working in such a way that doesn't make sense to us. Look at Matthew 24, 6. And you will hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not alarmed for this must take place. But the end is not yet. Don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. And when your heart, when you hear of wars and rumors of war and tumults, do not be afraid, terrified, for these things must first take place. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. Come, hear the voice of the Lord and see the works of the Lord. Number three, I need to know God's ways. The first thing about God's ways is number one, they're not your ways. Okay, look at, look at what Isaiah says in Isaiah 55. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, God says. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You just need to know that if you want to know God's ways, number one, they're not like you. But I think, and I believe, and I, you know, why doesn't he? No, they're not your ways. They're not your thoughts. He says this, be still, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I would be exalted in the earth. He's going to be exalted. All the nations of the earth will bow down one day. And number four, I need to know that God is with me. I need to know that God is with me. The verses that uh, Joshua, if you look at Joshua chapter one, God is, is like, God can see Joshua trembling and, you know, Moses has just died. Joshua is now in charge of this huge army, these sniveling, whiny, you know, people that, oh, why did God take us here? Oh, how come we got no meat? Oh, we got no water. Oh, my feet hurt. You know, and jo- man, God, why'd you give me these people? This is good. Because um, I trust you. <laughs> Because of what you've done, what you, how you've served me. And you can see Joshua almost because God over and over again, do not be afraid, do not be terrified, stand firm, do not be anxious. Over and over again in chapter 1, this is what he tells him. I need to know that God is with me. And the Lord said, Joshua, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. The Lord of hosts is with us, the psalmist says. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So what we need to do, as understand that in Philippians 4, 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The rest of that verse is, And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will fill your heart and mind. The peace of God will fill you up. Are you worried, heavy laden? Are you stressed out? 
Are you wondering what's going to happen next? I need to know God's word. I need to know God's work. I need to know God's ways. I need to know God's with me. And Jesus said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Are you tired? Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Come to Jesus Christ and he will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, the one thing that we need to understand and realize is that, yes, these things are happening. Is Jesus coming back? Well, yeah, of course he is. Is he coming back today, tomorrow? I don't know. As I said last week, all the signs point to the end. Everything points to the end right now. The one thing that we don't have signs for is the rapture. The rapture, beloved, is a sign. Now, if everything points to the end, and which is, it's all pointing to the end. I mean, the, all the nations haven't aligned yet, and, and it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Like, But it could happen at any time. I mean, it'd be just real quick to line them all up. Don't take much. All the money is already being, you know, centralized. All the nations are already coming together. I mean, everything is, it seems to be falling into place. God's already destroyed, uh, these nations that were before us and, and God's already protected Israel and Israel's going to be protected all the way through. She is going to come to a place where she has to focus on God and say, God, give us Messiah. And then they're going to see Jesus Christ coming down and says, Oh, and, and they will repent and they will be saved. And at the end, at the end time, all of that seems to be pointing to it. We believe, as the Bible teaches, that the rapture happens before the tribulation. And all these things that we're talking about happen during the tribulation. And at the end of the tribulation, Jesus Christ returns. And if Jesus Christ returns, and it seems to be soon, we believe that the rapture is going to happen seven years before that happens. The tribulation starts. So if the tribulation ends in seven years beloved do the math we are here for that rapture we are if if it's all pointing to the end now so we need to be prepared steadfast not be easily quickly shaken or alarmed don't but what you need to be is focused on your god's word And the only way that you can focus on God's word is if the spirit of God dwells within you. The man without the spirit cannot understand the things that come from the spirit of God because he is foolishly discerned is what Paul told the people in Corinth. If this doesn't make any sense to you, then you need to check your heart. You need to check your heart and give your heart to Jesus and let him and repent and let him wake you up. And get you ready because the time is close. Let me ask you to stand. Father in heaven, we know that there are many people that are still waiting to hear from you. That you have not yet opened their eyes, unplugged their ears, lifted them them out of their spiritual deadness, the bondage that they're in. They cannot respond. We know that there are people out there that are still listening and wanting to. But God, you have to open their eyes. You have to unplug their ears. You have to wake them up from their spiritual deadness. You have to remove the shackles and the chains that are binding them. And Lord, we pray for those that we know that you do so quickly. Because we know that you're coming quick. 
And I pray for those that are here right now that can hear my voice, that you open their eyes even now. And as each person recognizes your voice, because you're the shepherd, and they recognize your voice, that they lift their head and they repent. And they repent and they come to you. So Father, give us that grace, give us that mercy, and give us that love that only comes from you. And help us to share that with other people. Lord, we know that you're coming soon. So we need to know your word. We need to know your ways. We need to know your work. And we need to know that you're going to be with us. So thank you, Father. Thank you for all that you do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen, amen and amen. All right. I think we got something going on here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Go ahead.